Uh, one of the great things, uh, thank you so much for praying for me and my mum uh, and my brother. He's uh, stuck in Montreal. Really appreciate your prayers. Um, and the reason I'm preaching and not kind of taking time off is because my mum would have been really cross if I wasn't preaching. She thought, use my, her illness as an excuse not to preach. She'd be really cross with me. She's indomitable, is my mother, and she's um, a real fighter, but she's very, very poorly. So I really appreciate you, you guys praying for us. Um, so uh, we're going to be looking, if you could just flip the thing over now. If you'd like to get your Bibles out and open uh, in whatever form they are, digital or uh, paper, um, and I'd like you to turn to Isaiah 55, and Isaiah 55 is uh, a, a wonderful passage. It's got loads of bits in that you, you might recognize, um, but actually all together as a whole, it's awesome. And we have kind of covered it um, pre-pandemic. We were going through Isaiah as a series. I can't remember if Phil or Ed uh, took that part, but we have already kind of looked at it. But I'm going to kind of looking at it at a slightly different angle, maybe. Um, but not theologically in error. I'll just put it that way. Uh, turn that one. Ooh, there we go. Right, so if you'd like to turn to uh, verse... Sorry, I, can, I went backwards. I've got new buttons. Phil's let me his buttons, then. They're all backwards. Okay, so um, if you'd like to go to uh, verse 8 and 9, and you'd, you'd probably really recognize this, let's just ask the Lord just to... Um, be with us now as we just kind of unpack this. So, Father, we just thank you so much that you uh, love us so much, that you want us to know you better. And, Lord, we just thank you so much that you want to spend time with us. Lord, that you love being in our presence. Perhaps more than we love being in your presence, Lord. If only we knew what it meant to be in your presence, in its fullness. And uh, so, Lord, we just ask you, God, to um, bring some a taste of that with us now. Thank you for our time of worship, Lord. We just thank you. We ask you to to keep keep um, showing us yourself tonight, Lord. And as we just look through this this passage of the Father, as we pray that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So um, you might recognise this. It's, it's very well known, uh, and often it gets sort of mentioned at different times uh, in different ways. So, my, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens, or as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. Powerful stuff. What, anyone sort of give me a clue as to what that, what you think that might be about, and what it might mean, any sort of, or any sense, you know, what, what, what makes you, what does it make you think when you read that? God's big. Yeah, yeah we sang it this morning, didn't we? God is a great big God. That's awesome. Anybody, God's big, anything else? Yeah, God's sovereign. He's like overall. Yeah, yeah. He's the king. Yeah, awesome. Uh, growing up uh, in life, when often... I hear this passage is often sort of brought out when things are happening you don't understand. A life circumstances happens and, and it just doesn't make sense. How, how could a loving father let this happen? Or, you know, I thought God's plan was this and it's not. And, and then somebody might try and encourage you and they might say, ah, oh, God's ways are higher than ours. Our thoughts are 
um, you know, uh, his <laughs> was it my thoughts and not your thoughts? Uh, my ways are higher. You know, or God moves in mysterious ways is another kind of paraphrase of that. And um, I don't know about you, but that often makes me sort of sense, gives me a sense of distance from God. He, um, he's so beyond my understanding, the way, the way he does things, I, I couldn't possibly understand them. And it feels like God is more distant when that's said. It's not that he's right close to me or he understands me. It's that I, there's no way I can understand him. He's gone way and beyond. So it's like, let's look at the context of this. Because um, context really matters when we're reading the Bible, especially things like Isaiah. And the thing is, if you take the text out of context, what are you left with? Yeah, it's a very cheesy pun. But it's got uh, a little bit of truth in it. If you take the text out of context, you end up with a con. And to some degree, that's kind of true here as well. If you take that passage on its own, you do get a truth about God. Yes, his ways are higher than ours. Yes, his thoughts are bigger than ours. But that's the, 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 the direction of travel of the context of this passage is quite different from wanting for God wanting to be more distant from you. It's actually the opposite. The direction of travel is God wants to be closer to you. So let's put it into context then. So uh, this is the verse before. Let the wicked forsake their ways, the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon now, sometimes you're, you're kind of reading scripture and you kind of, it's sometimes, like if some, Jesus does this sometimes, doesn't he? It kind of changes direction all of a sudden and you wonder, what, what, what was that? And then we just kind of flip over the change of direction. We don't take note of it. And if you th- thought that, you know, if, if you're not really hot on the Bible, you would not necessarily put these two passages together. You would not let one lead on from the other. You think... Or that one would be quoted on one web page and another one would be quoted on another web page. But actually, God stitches them together. Um, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God that he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are your thoughts. So the four there in bright red gives a really big clue that the bit in white isn't about us not being close to God. Because the bit in yellow is all about getting closer to God. Do you agree with me? All right. So in fact, <coughs> uh, I like to kind of summarize this whole thing with, you can't quite read that, can you? His best at your worst. His best at your worst. Here's a picture of a sandwich. Hopefully you had your tea. Uh, we had a sausage and mash tonight. It was really nice. Thank you. Makes some good sense. So, but this whole Isaiah 55 is a sandwich. Okay, so it starts with an amazing uh, passage. So if you've got your Bibles open, you might want to just look at verse 1, and you'll see something really familiar. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and drink. 
it starts off with a, a massive invitation. And the invitation is totally inclusive. And it's saying, why are you messing about with stuff that's not satisfying? Why are you spending your efforts on things that do not, get, do not fill you? When instead you could come to me and I will fill you with abundance. And then he says, let the wicked turn away. And then he says, because my ways are higher than your ways. And then he goes on again about another kind of invitation. And this time the invitation is the result of the wicked turning their ways. And them understanding God a bit better and getting close to him. Because then it talks about the trees of the fields clapping their hands. Which is a bit of a, a mad phrase. Um, but it's, about <laughs> it's, it's all about just the whole of nature celebrating you. Uh, it talks about the mer- instead of there being a desert, there's going to be these wonderful bushes growing with loads of fruit. And so it, st- it starts off with this whole, the sandwich starts at the top of the bread with, come everybody in. And then it kind of s- includes what kind of people can come in. And then it says why. And then it says, and those who do come in, they are now going to be thriving and full of fruit and life. And that's you. The bigger context is this is about Israel, not about you. But we, this, is a, this whole thing is a general truth about God. Something that we, a general revelation that we can receive and own for, own for ourselves. So our best, his worst. I mean, his best, our worst. So as I said, this whole flow is not about us feeling distant from God because he's so mysterious and we'll never understand him. This whole flow is moving into God and moving closer to God and being accepted and received and being filled and fed and thriving. So it's a bit like the doctor. Now, I, I've spent a lot of time in hospital <laughs> recently. Um, and something I've really noticed about hospital is it's full of doctors and nurses. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, you might be one yourself. And, uh, but then also there's another bunch of people who are like kind of rather sickly and diseased. You know, um, and you know, if generally speaking, if you put a load of like sick people all together, you know, ill people and stuff like that, you kind of like. Ugh. I don't know if you've ever seen the um, Monty Python sketch where they're bringing out the dead. You know, uh, bring out the dead. I'm not dead. Shut up. You know that. Do you know that one? So, uh, um, you know, you kind of think, oh, you know, that's kind of ancient thing of like something. Yeah. And the Pharisees uh, and the Old Testament kind of almost describe sin as a disease, an infectious disease, which is why if you're a Pharisee, you couldn't touch certain people, touch certain things, because they believed that the sin, you catch the sin, you'd become a sinner, you'd be made defiled, and you know, lots of, that's based on some evidence from the Old Testament. And yet when we see Jesus comes, he touch, it goes, the, the whole thing goes the other way. He's the healer, and so instead of the sin coming onto Jesus, he sends the sin right back into hell, and instead passes on cleansing and forgiveness. In a hospital, you've got people who, I mean, I mean it's got, maybe you've got bubonic plague or something, and you're walking around a hospital. What happens? You're not left alone. There are people who run towards you, doctors and nurses. They are compelled by the disease to come to you. They want you to be better. They've got compassion. But when they look at you, they don't see the disease. Well, they do see the disease. But they go, instead of going, Ugh, they go, oh, no. That's awful. I've got to help you. And they won't leave you alone. My mum's complaining about being prodded and, you know, put by nurse and stuff. They won't leave her alone. 
Jesus wants to lie there and be like, oh, no, but no, they're, they're sort of getting in there and they can't stop trying to help her. But God's like this amazing doctor. You see, if you are full of sin, you're really attractive. If, if, if you've messed up and you're broken and there's darkness in your life, you're really attractive. He really wants to spend time with you. You're just the kind of person that God wants to love. In fact, the darker and the blacker your disease, the more effort he's going to put in to saving you. That doesn't work entirely. I can know some theological issues with that. But just imagine that as a as kind of a picture, uh, an awesome idea of God being a doctor. Not being repelled by you and your sin and your darkness, but being attracted to you because of your sin and your darkness. He wants to heal you. Or there's the the parent. So I don't know if you remember this song. Well, I'm rumbling in this JCB. I'm five years old, my dad's a giant sitting beside me. And the engine rattles my bum like berserk while we're singing. Don't forget your shovel if you want to go and work. My dad probably had a bloody hard day. But he's been good fun and bubbling and joking away. And the procession of cars stuck behind. Again, in all impatient and angry, but we don't mind. And we're holding up the bypass. Oh. Me and my dad having a top laugh, oh, 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 sitting on the toolbox, oh, and I'm so glad I'm not in school, boss, so glad I'm not in school, oh, no. And we pull over, let cars pass. And pull off again, speeding by this summer green grass. And we're like giants up here in our big yellow digger. Like zoids or transformers or maybe even bigger. And I want to transform into a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And eat up all the bullies and the teachers and their pets. And I'll tell all my mates, my dad's is only with a JCB and Bruce Lee's nunchuckers. And we're holding up the bypass. Oh, me and my dad having a top laugh. Oh, oh, oh. sitting on the toolbox. Oh, and I'm so glad I'm not in school, boss. So glad I'm not in school. And we're holding up the bypass. Oh. Me and my dad having a top laugh. Oh, oh, I'm sitting on the toolbox. Oh, and I'm so glad I'm not in school box. So glad I'm not in school. And then the chorus goes on to being, my, I'm Luke, I'm five, and my dad's Bruce Lee driving around in my JCB. I'm Luke, I'm five, and my dad's Bruce Lee driving around in my JCB. It's a wonderful picture of uh, a young lad. He's five years old. He's called Luke, and he's terrified of life. But he's in his JCB, in his dad's JCB, and he feels safe. And God is our protector. He's that 
big guy, the big dad. You know, my dad's bigger than your dad. Um, a parent will do far more than anybody else to defend their child. And imagine your child had a disease. What would you do? Would you be repelled by your child's disease? Or would you do everything you could to get them well? Would you be, oh, you silly child, you've gone and got a disease. How dare you have leukemia? You've let me down. Would you say, would, would a parent ever say that? Why would we think God would say that about us when we've got the disease of sin? Why? Why do we, why do we go like that? And this is what Isaiah 55 verse 7 is all about. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't see our disease and he's not, and he, he sees our disease and he's not repelled like we are repelled. He's not frightened of our disease. His care and his compassion for us goes beyond all of that and he reaches down and he pulls us out. A couple of years ago, well, Josh was 10, he spent months saving for a little scooter, you know, the scooters. And it was like the top thing he could get with his money. He spent quite a lot of bit of money on it and he took it to school and on the second day he had it, somebody stole it from the school bike shed. And he was devastated. So we went around putting posters up all over the place. He had a picture of the scooter and the like. We, and uh, the school even found out who they thought might have stolen it. And they had the lad up and he denied all knowledge but other people said he might. So Megan went round to their home. And it turns out this family, you know, they had a reputation in the area. And Megs fearlessly went up and knocked on the door and said, have you seen my child's scooter? And even though the scooter was behind them in the hallway, we believe, they still denied it. But Megan was the parent. She, everything about her, her her desire to protect. And, and she's, not she's not a special parent. She's just like any parent who would do stuff like that. When God sees our troubles, he's like a father, like a great mother. He wants to protect. He wants to be Bruce Lee with nunchuckers. And then my mate, Ewan, he had a bunny. can't remember the bunny's name. Let's call, her, let's call, him, call him Fluffy. And Ewan phoned me up. We were about uh, 15 at the time. And Ewan phoned me up and said, oh, Tim, can you, can you, I need a bit of hand. I said, what's wrong? Fluffy's got a bit of a problem. And I, I need you to help me with him. So, well, okay, Ewan, you know, it could be possibly wrong. So I cycled about three miles uphill to see Ewan. Well, I won't go into any details, but Fluffy had maggots where you wouldn't want maggots. It was really horrible. And he was being eaten, uh, eaten alive by these maggots. And so <laughs> me and Ewan were sat together, and I kind of held Fluffy, and Ewan got some, and we just basically got gently cleaned Fluffy out, and we saved Fluffy's life. What kind of mate am I? <laughs> That's top mate, isn't it? Yeah. And my, my mate Al, who when we moved house, uh, when we moved to Honeybourne, drove all the way up from Western so he could shift furniture off a van. To help me out. That's a mate, isn't it? That's a friend. Friends journey with you. Friends go through rubbish with you. They defend you, but they're loyal. And they'll also tell you the truth when you're being a bit of a numpty. That's what friends are. They're constantly faithful. 
God describes himself as a friend to us. He wants to journey with us and walk with us and help us through stuff and tell us when, when we're being numpties, he wants permission to, to help us out with that. He wants there to be in the, in the mess of life. And so when we read Isaiah 57 and we hear that his ways are higher than ours and his, his, his thoughts are greater than ours, that's because we c- struggle to understand he's a friend, he's a parent, and he's a doctor. And I could find other things he is, many other ways in which we could describe God. I'm just choosing those three for tonight. But we struggle with that, but he doesn't. He hasn't got a problem seeing himself as your doctor, your friend, your parent. And so he thinks more of you than you think of yourself. He thinks more of your friendship with him and your relationship with him than you do. And so that's why the context is so important. Let the wicked turn to God. Let's read that again. I'll just read it out. Um, Because it starts like this, that whole let the wicked turn away. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And who is he talking to? Let the wicked forsake their ways. And the evil, their thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. Now if you look through Isaiah 55, I, I, I challenge you, dare you, to find any words uh, that would suggest God is reluctant. There are no reluctant words in there. There are no words that suggest intolerance. There are no words there to suggest even judgment in this particular place. It's all give, 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 come, come, come. Give, 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 come, come, come. Live, live, live. That's basically the run of thought. Thank you, yeah. That's the context. It's us that's struggling with it, not him. He's not trying to be distant and far away. He wants you to be close. So, um, here's a true thing. Okay, I'm going to try something now. Where's it gone? Okay, fantastically, I've got a wireless on, so that's really good. I can walk over here. And um, I can do something I haven't done since I was... 10 years old. Turn all the lights off. I can't turn those ones off. So, Christmas, uh, birthday present, tactical torch, mirror ball. Isn't that cool? That is the fun of being a youth worker. You do get to play with this stuff. So, but look how much light we're getting from here. Yeah? And we're not in a cave, but if we're in a cave and we lit a candle, it only takes a little bit of light. A tiny light. A tiny, tiny light to make a difference. And we read in Psalm 139, don't we, that night is like daytime to you. Oh, I don't know if I figure the lights out. Oh, thanks, Ben. Well done. That's thoughtful of you. Um, we read in Psalm 139, it says that light, light is as darkness is as light to you. It doesn't matter where I go. There's nothing in your life, there's no dark place in your life where God cannot go. 
In some ways, you could, de- you could describe light as attracted to dark. Because you're only a tiny little speck of light. And all you need is a tiny little bite light in your darkest place. And because I'm human, like you are, I know there's places in your life you've not let God into. Because it's the same for me. <laughs> there's places in, in your heart right now where there's darkness. And, and you think God's too far away to reach in. You think he's going to judge you. You think he'll be repelled by you. But his words say something completely different. I mean, let's just, uh, maybe you could put Psalm 103 up, uh, Chris, that'd be really cool. So, um, Psalm 103 is very similar. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. It's just like Isaiah 6, Isaiah 55 verse 6. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. God wants you tonight. He wants all of you. Not because he's mean. (laughs) And he wants you to feel bad he wants you to have life and be like that desert coming into bloom thriving and living and yet we hide don't we we hide Isaiah 57 just just over the page says this Isaiah 57 verse 15 Uh, let's find it there it is. But this is what the high and lofty one says. All right, so high and lofty makes you think, oh, he's far away in his big ivory tower. Don't you? But let's, what does he actually say? He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live high and ho- in a holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. Your worst, when you're at your worst, he is at his best. When you're at your worst, he is at his best. The darker your night, the brighter he shines. The deeper your disease, the more he is drawn to you. The bigger your trouble, the more he wants to help. In Isaiah 55, you see nothing that is reciprocal. There's nothing in there that says, if you do this, I'll do that. There's nothing in there about you making yourself good. It says, let the wicked turn to him, turn to God, and he will freely pardon him. 
So it's not like you've got to make yourself better, clean yourself up. He wants you to come in, rags and all. The gospel isn't fair. It's not even that just. That the Son of Man, sinless, gave his life that you would be sinless. It's just not fair. It's not even that just. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he wants you. Isn't that that's pretty awesome, isn't it? That is pretty awesome. Very glad to know I've got to the end of my notes. Look at that. Fantastic. We're going to just spend a bit of time in a bit more worship. And I'd just like you to just really reflect on maybe some of the things that um, you've been putting out of your mind for a while. Maybe you're in a situation right now. Bring it to the Lord. Put it, bring it into a little bit of light. Think about, you know, there may be somebody you need to forgive even. Um, maybe there's somebody you need to have compassion on. They've wounded you, wounded you and they've hurt you and you've allowed it to build into a canker in your soul. Maybe you're in a really troubled place and you know what? It's just really hard to think that God could help you right now. So whatever it is, let's bring those things to the Lord now as we worship and thanks Bridget and, and the band. And we'll just lay them at his Lord's feet. You don't have to do anything with them. Just say, here they are.